Our Sunday school account this Sunday is Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, John chapter 11. And there is so much in this chapter. It's just full of Jesus teaching and speaking us lessons. Any uh, five verses, we could easily spend the whole Sunday school class just analyzing and, and looking at any five verses in this chapter. But we want to remember the main point. And the main point is that Jesus is the Lord of life who has power even over death and that he's come to rescue us from death. And so we want to try to make sure that we stick on this, this main point and emphasize that throughout our Sunday school lesson. Jesus is Lord of death and life. In the beginning, he gave life when he created the world and breathed the breath of life into man. He can give and he can take life and he has come to give us not life on this earth, but eternal life with him in heaven. One way you might introduce or start this lesson is by asking the kids, what have we seen Jesus do? What in the miracles we've heard so far, what have we seen that he has power over? Uh, and so you could talk about he has power over the storm. He has power over to change the water into wine. He has uh, power over leprosy. He has power over demons. He has power over sickness. Uh, let the kids see if they can remember. And that's a good way to review the former lessons as well. And then leads you into, okay, today we're going to see how Jesus has power even over death. Uh, the greatest uh, of all of his miracles. Our, long, our law, law and gospel then is that death is a part of our lives in this world because of our sin. Death is a result of our sin. Sickness and death are a constant reminder of what we deserve when we see the suffering and the sickness and the, and the death in the world around us. It's a reminder of our sin and what that sin has caused in our lives and in the lives of others. But gospel, Jesus died for our sins and through that death and him receiving the punishment in our place, he has saved us from sin and from death. He has come to remove death from our lives and take us to uh, eternal life with him. He is the Lord of life who came to give us victory over the grave. I would say the two key passages in John chapter 11 are Jesus's statement, I am the resurrection and the life. Or you could focus on, of course, his command to Lazarus come forth and, and his uh, power over death. No, they both teach the same thing. And then secondly, his question to Mary, do you believe this? Almost as the most important thing is Jesus is Lord of life. He has power over death. But second to that is our reaction to that statement. Do we believe it? Uh, Jesus has that power over life or death, whether we believe it or not. But if we don't believe it, it doesn't do us much good. The account of Lazarus, Lazarus shows both reactions. It shows the reactions of those who believe, although we're going to see not perfectly. Even Mary and Martha's faith is not perfect, but it's there. And it also shows us the reaction of those who do not believe. And we could easily divide the story into five distinct parts, uh, depending on these different groups. Uh, some groups who believe and some groups who do not believe. And so the first part, you have Jesus' interactions with his disciples and his attempts to try and get them to, to trust him. He's going to go down, well, first trust him that it's not the right time to go see Lazarus, and then trust him that it is the right time to go and see Lazarus, and that they're not going to die in until, that he's not going to die until the time is right to, to trust the will of the Father. Uh, then you see his interactions with Martha, and you could combine Mary and Martha, um, or you could separate them. His interactions with those two uh, is similar, but, but a little different. And uh, their faith in Jesus to heal 
in their faith in Jesus, but a faith that is still weak. It's stronger than the disciples, but it's still weak in some points. And uh, Jesus' attempts to strengthen that faith, and, and obviously he does. And then, of course, you have Jesus' interactions with death itself, not only in the calling forth of Lazarus, but in his groaning in the spirit and in his weeping, which are both a response to death. The, the groaning in the spirit we're going to see is a response to uh, the spiritual death of the people, their lack of faith and his sadness that even after all the miracles they've seen, they don't trust, they don't believe in him. And then his weeping, which is a, a reaction to death itself and the effects of sin in our lives. And then, of course, him showing his power over death in the calling forth of Lazarus. And then the final section of John 11, which we're not going to get into in uh, this um, audio discussion, but uh, which you can certainly get into yourself, is the response of Jesus' enemies and how even Jesus' enemies serve Jesus' purposes, even those who, who don't believe that he is the Lord of life. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is the chapter in which Paul talks about the resurrection. It's a good one to go over in preparation for this story and refer to and talk about in connection with it, depending on how, how old your Sunday, school your Sunday school students are. Let's get into the story itself. John chapter 11, we're going to start with the first three verses. There was a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Mary and Martha, when they send a message to Jesus saying, he whom you love, use the Greek term phileo, uh, which is a term for friend. You love as a friend. Now, it's, it's still a very powerful love. It's not just like, oh, you're just my friend. It's you. There's love there. But it's, it's the love that you would have for a friend. However, Jesus' response, and by the way, the same word is used by the Jews when they say, see how he loved Lazarus. Uh, again, they use the term phileo, the love of a friend. However, Jesus responds uh, in verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha. We haven't gotten to that verse yet, but uh, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Uh, there you have the term agapao, that perfect ultimate love of God, uh, which is it's even stronger than the phileo, the love of a friend. And so Mary and Martha show great love for Jesus. Mary, in particular, showed great love for Jesus in, in pouring out that vial of oil that John reminds us of in uh, verses 1 through 3, which John himself does not actually tell us that story, but the other the synoptic gospels do talk about that story of how Mary poured out that expensive bottle of perfume over his feet. Mary showed great love for Jesus in anointing him for his death. However, Jesus shows even greater love in pouring out his life for us. Mary poured out a bottle of oil for him. He poured out his life for us. And so our love for God is not as great, nor is it as important as God's love for us. Well, we certainly want to love God, but far more important than how good we are at loving God is how good God is at loving us. John, 1 John 4.10 reminds us, in this is love, not that we love God, that's not the ultimate example of love, our love for God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verses 4 to 16 of John chapter 11. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. 
Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, uh, the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Jesus says this sickness is not unto death. Uh, we see very similar with when Jesus is, goes to heal the daughter of, J of Jairus. He walks into the house and says, Well, she's not dead, even though everyone knows that she is dead. We sometimes use euphemisms to hide the true hideousness of death. Someone has passed away. Um, someone has gone home. Well, we like to say things like that rather than uh, just come right out and say they died uh, because it, it sounds a little better. Jesus, however, is not using euphemisms to hide the truth, but rather he's using these words to reveal the truth. Uh, he reveals the truth that for him, death is only sleep because he can wake someone from death just as easily as he can wake people from sleep. And that those who believe in, for those who believe in Jesus, death is only temporary because we will rise on the last day. Death, Jesus has a purpose for allowing Lazarus to die. And we often don't understand why God allows bad things to happen. And you can stress this with the kids. You can go back to that verse So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. That sounds like a non sequitur to us. When we hear someone is sick, why wouldn't Jesus go right away? But he heard that he was sick, therefore he stayed two more days because Jesus has a plan. A plan that doesn't make sense to our way of thinking, but a plan by which God is going to reveal something much greater, much better for us. We can go back to the story of Ruth. You can remind the kids of the story of Ruth. That ties in nicely here because sometimes we think uh, that God must have forgotten about us or doesn't love us because he's not doing what we think he should be doing right away. I'm sick. Why doesn't he heal me right away? And you remember in the story of Ruth how Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, actually changed her name to Mara because she said, the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. So uh, her son, her husband's, her sons died, and she's like, oh, why is the Lord doing this to me? And that is often our reaction. Why is Jesus staying away two days? Why didn't he come to heal Lazarus? And we're going to see Mary and Martha both express that same desire. Why didn't you come to to heal Lazarus when he was just sick. However, this account reveals that it was because of God's love. It wasn't a lack of love, but it was because of his love, not only for Lazarus, but for all of us, that he allowed Lazarus to die. Because in this way, he could prove to us that he has power even over death. More important than Lazarus being healthy is our faith and us being able to trust and know that Jesus even has power even over death. So that when we face death, we can know that God will raise us up again. This sickness is not unto death, Jesus says. Now, of course, Lazarus did die. And so we might say, oh, the sickness did end in death. But Jesus knew that he would raise Lazarus from the 
from the dead. So the end result of the sickness, even though there's a little bit of death there, the end result of, of the sickness would be life. But more important than that is the spiritual life. The end result of this sickness was spiritual life, not only for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, but for many of the Jews, uh, many of the people standing around, and for us as well. Because through Lazarus's physical death, Jesus worked this great miracle, and many believed in him. We're going to read that at the at the end of the account, uh, so that the Lazarus. Lazarus's sickness and his physical death resulted in not only physical life for Lazarus, but spiritual life for many, including us. Then we have this, these comments that Jesus makes about walking in the day, which again, seem a little bit odd to us. Maybe at first read, what's Jesus talking about here? But we have to remember that God's word is light. Uh, the Bible talks about that often, and this is what Jesus is talking about here. The disciples don't want to go to Judea. Well, at first they think, well, we, we need to go to Judea quickly uh, in order to heal Lazarus. But then, oh, if he's dead, we we better not go because uh, we're going to we're going to end up getting killed. And then later on Mary and Martha again the Jews the same thing. Why didn't you come sooner? You could have healed him. And so both the uh, Mary, Martha, the Jews, the disciples are all looking at things from an earthly perspective. From an earthly pr perspective it makes sense that Jesus should have gone sooner. And then once he's dead it doesn't make sense for him to go. You're going you're going to end up getting killed by the Jews. But Jesus is trusting the will of the Father. He's trusting God's word. He knows that it's the will of his Father now to go to Judea. And so his response here is, if we walk in light, and the light is the word of God, the will of the Father, if we do things according to his will, even when they don't make sense to us, then we're not going to stumble. But if we walk according to our, our own understanding, and that's the darkness, that's the night, our own understanding, then we will stumble. Uh, so even when we don't understand why God wants us to do things in a particular way, doing them according to the light of God's will, God's word, that's when we're, we're not going to stumble. And of course, we have that beautiful proverb, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. And so Jesus goes because he knows it's the will of the Father. Verses 17 to 19. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Bethany is just two miles, as our text says. It's just over the hill from Jerusalem. If you were to start out towards Bethany from Jerusalem, you would actually go down. Jerusalem's up on a hill, and then there's another hill, and Bethany's kind of up over it. So you would go down one hill and then up and over another uh, taller hill to get to Bethany. So it would be a lot like walking from the, the church here to Manchester, except uh, maybe a little bit further because you leave the church parking lot you first you go down a hill a little bit and then you start going up again and, and up over to, to, to get to Manchester. Jesus he found that he had been in the tomb four days he not only waited till Lazarus was dead but but even four days later and John tells us specifically many of the Jews from Jerusalem had joined had come to comfort Martha and Mary so it seems likely that Jesus specifically waited not just till Lazarus was dead but he till he had been dead for four days for two reasons First, the first reason is because to prove beyond any doubt that Lazarus was dead. You know, if he'd come an hour after he died, uh, and people may have 
thought, well, then maybe Lazarus didn't really die. He, he just seemed like he, he was dead from the sickness, and, and Jesus healed the sickness. But now he's been dead four days. He's been wrapped in the, the cloth, grave cloths. He's been in the tomb. There's really no doubt that Lazarus was dead. And the second reason is it gave the mourners time to gather from Jerusalem so that many of these Jews from Jerusalem witnessed the miracle in order to know who Jesus was and to see his power. We continue with verses 20 to 27. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Martha's words here reveal great faith. There's no doubt about that. Uh, she trusts in Jesus. She knows he could have healed him from sickness. She confesses that he is not only the Christ, but the Son of God with power over all things. However, that faith is not perfect, and none of our faith is perfect. There is a reluctance there. Her response to Jesus, even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. That seems to indicate that she is hinting that even now Jesus might raise Lazarus from the dead, but perhaps is afraid to voice such a suggestion. It's hard to know exactly what's going through her, her head or what she's thinking, but what else would she be implying or asking you? Whatever you ask of God, God will, will give you. So we, we don't know for sure what she's, what she's saying there, but it does seem like she's kind of hinting at Jesus. Even now you could raise him from the dead, which is again pointing to her great faith, but there's a reluctance to actually voice that, that deepest desire of our heart. Uh, that idea that, well, surely God isn't going to do that. And similarly, her second response is, well, she acknowledges that he is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, but she refrains from actually asking, can you raise Lazarus from the dead? Martha has great faith, but is afraid to ask. And we know that Jesus has power over sickness and death, and yet we often doubt his willingness to help. We, we confess that he has the power to help, but we often don't really believe that God is willing to help us. God is never upset with us for asking. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that, that we should have great boldness and great confidence uh, when we come to God. That go ahead and, and, and express that innermost, deepest desire. Lord, can, we, we, are you willing to raise Lazarus from the dead? We're not going to get in trouble with the Lord for asking for these things. However, we always have to take that step back. And although we, we God wants us to bring these deepest desires to him, we, we always want to also express express if it be according to your will because we don't know what God's plan is but we do know that God's plan is always better than our plan Mary and Martha's plan was Jesus should come and heal Lazarus from his disease from his sickness Jesus had a better greater plan I'm going to let him die and then I'm going to heal him from death and show everyone that I have power even over death we have this beautiful verse here verses 25 and 26 where Jesus says I am the resurrection and the life uh, he, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Uh, it's worth it to take these two verses apart and analyze them a bit. Uh, what is Jesus saying here? And we have to take a step back and how does the Bible talk about death? When we talk about death, we talk 
almost exclusively about physical death. If we say somebody died, we mean that their body has died and their spirit has gone to be with the Lord. Jesus, however, when he speaks of death, speaks almost entirely about spiritual death. Over and over again throughout the scriptures, when somebody physically dies, when their body dies, Jesus calls it sleeping. Uh, the Jairus' daughter was sleeping. Lazarus was sleeping. And that's because Jesus has power over death and can easily raise our bodies from the dead. What's far more important to him is not whether our bodies are alive or dead, but whether our spirit is alive, whether we have faith in him. And so in verse 25, Jesus talks about, he first talks about physical death. He who believes in me, though he may die, his body will die, yet he shall live. Uh, his spirit will live with God and his body will be raised on the last day. But then in verse 26, he switches to spiritual life and death. Whoever lives and believes in me, that, that is, whoever has spiritual life through faith in me, shall never die. Uh, had their spirits having been made alive through faith in Jesus and washed of sin by his blood, will never taste death again, but will live with God forever in everlasting life. We often think the most important thing is physical death, but the Bible reveals to us that physical death is only a doorway into heaven. What's far more important is that spiritual life and death which we receive through faith. Another important point here is that despite claims to the contrary, there's no doubt that scripture has preached the resurrection, the bodily resurrection from the dead from the very, very beginning of scripture. And the Sadducees in Jesus's day did not believe it. And there is many liberal churches nowadays that will say, well, that's, that's a, something that came later. That's not something that the Bible taught from the beginning. However, this is, is clearly not true. Uh, we have Job's comments. Uh, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last I will stand upon the earth. I will see him with these very eyes, very clearly expressing belief and the knowledge that he will bodily rise from the dead. We have David's words uh, about his son who died. I will not he will not come to me, but, but I will go to him very clearly again, expressing resurrection from the dead. There's many other passages we could point to. Psalm 17.5, Deuteronomy 13.39, Daniel 12.2, Isaiah 26.19, uh, Hosea 6.2. We could go on for a while, but the, the point is uh, the Bible clearly teaches a bodily resurrection from the dead on the last day, our bodies will go to be with our souls and to be in heaven with, with Jesus forever. Verses 28 to 38. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of the and some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. And Jesus' groaning in the spirit seems to be a response to their unbelief. They doubt him. Even after all that they've seen, all the miracles they've seen, all the power they've seen, all the preaching they've heard, uh, they doubt his power to help 
even in death. And he's, he's saddened by this unbelief, uh, even after all that he, he has showed them. However, that Jesus is weeping, uh, that seems to be a response not to their unbelief, but to the effects of death. Death is a terrible thing. Jesus came to destroy death and to give us victory over death, and he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. But despite the fact that Jesus knows that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he sees the, the devastating effect that sin has in our lives, how it tears loved ones apart and what it does to our bodies, which he himself created, and it, and it is a sad thing. And so he, he weeps at the effect that sin has in our life. And this is why he came. He came in order to save us from the effects of our sin. We are continually told in the Gospels that Jesus was moved with compassion for the people. Uh, and so here as well, he's deeply moved with compassion when he sees the effect that sin has in our life. Verses 39 to 45. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who died came out, bound hand and foot with grave cloths, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. God's word often asks us to do things that make no sense to us, like rolling the stone away from the tomb. Martha says this this seems like a foolish thing to do. The body is going to stink. And she was right from an earthly perspective. But Jesus reminds us in this account that if we trust his word and do what he says, we will there will be opportunity in our life for us to see for ourselves the glory and power of God that work in our own life. And so Jesus' comment here takes us back to the beginning of the story where Jesus was talking about walking in the light. We see that here. If we walk in the light, if we do according to his will and his word, then we don't stumble. Mary took Jesus. There's a little bit of doubt there. Uh, at the sorry, not Mary Martha. There's a little bit of doubt there with Martha. This doesn't seem like the big thing, the right thing to do. But when Jesus told her to do it, she trusted His word and she did what He said. She was walking in the light, and walking in that light, she did not stumble. She did not make a mistake. If she had insisted on doing things according to her understanding, walking in the darkness, uh, then she would have missed out on this miracle, on this opportunity to see the glory of God in action in, in her own life. She chose the light of God, and not only did she not stumble through this act of faith, but she not only witnessed, but was a part of one of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever did. Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, how ridiculous to tell a dead man to walk. Lazarus, Lazarus could not by his own will or power respond to this command. Yet the power is in the word. It's the word of God. It's the word of Jesus at work here that causes Lazarus to come forth. It's a command to Lazarus, but it's not a command that Lazarus can respond to on his own. Rather, but because the command comes from Jesus, it has the power to enable him to come forth. In the same way Jesus 
told the storm to stop, and it stopped. The power was in the word. He told the, the demons to depart, and they departed. It's the same power that cleansed the lepers and healed the blind and now calls Lazarus forth, forth from the grave. Jesus has power even over death. If we don't need to fear death, if Jesus has power even over death, then he has power over everything. Uh, and as long as Jesus is with us, we don't need to fear death. Therefore, we don't need to fear anything. Jesus has come to deliver us from death and sin and all things. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson.